Hey there, listeners. Ruckman here with a bit of an announcement. Our next webcam event will take place on November 7th and will feature our new proxy rules. You can find the sign-up link with more info in our Discord. It turns out the 7th is also Extra Life's big game day this year. And of course, we want to take part and raise money for a wonderful cause that needs it now more than ever in the wake of the current global pandemic. So this webcam event will be streamed as part of our participation in game day and will continue to stream the afterwards. For our first year, I've set a goal of $500, which I think is easily obtainable for our wonderful community. And as if helping out people in need wasn't enough, I'll help sweeten the deal for you all. Anybody who takes part in donating to our campaign will receive entry into a giveaway for a collector's booster pack of Zendikar Rising. All it takes is a $1 entry to our campaign. Anyone donating to multiples of $5, however, will receive that many entries on top of their one for donating. Oh, and if we make our $500 goal, that collector's pack will be upgraded to a booster draft box of the winner's choice. This will, of course, be open to all who donate regardless of location, and the winner will be announced on the following week's podcast. I'll put a link to our Extra Life in the podcast description, but you can also look us up on Extra Life using the name Crew3MTG, all one word. Thanks for your time and generosity. Now on with the show. here with another episode of Crew 3 Podcast, sponsored by wonderful people over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash crew3mtg. Chuck in a buck or go as high as the OG social tier and get some cool swag bags. Hey. Uh, of course, that's only if you want to. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Chris and Ricky. Gentlemen, say hello. Hola. What's up? All right. It was a very busy week for, well, Magic, not really Pioneer, mm-hmm. uh, but especially the arena formats. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to go before we just dive in real quick in this Bandit or Shikin announcement before we switch on over to Pioneer? Not before we do that, no. Ricky, you got anything? Uh, shout outs to previous show uh, guest Emma Handy for oh yeah, uh, definitely putting in the work and making it all the yeah. way to the top eight. It's like if the three best cards are Embercleave, Clover, and Omnath, what if we just played Clover and Embercleave instead? And then just play Gemraiser? Yeah. So I like their deck a lot. Their deck was sweet. Uh, other than that, the the finals was actually way better mm-hmm. uh, than, uh, I don't remember what the last event was called. I don't know what the events are called anymore. The uh, <laughs> Mythic Championships. Okay. I, I, and this is the grand final. There weren't eight hours of filler content that looped mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in between each game. So that yeah. was nice. Like the filler content that did happen was actually decent. It sure. was like interviews with the players and stuff like that. I actually want to see. Yeah. I feel bad because I, I really rated the last coverage so poor because it was, I should have watched this to really give them their, their redo, you know, their, their uh, chance at a comeback, you know, don't call it a comeback, but yeah, from what Ricky's telling me, I guess it sounds good, but I, I feel a little bad now that I, I didn't get a chance to watch. Yeah, I tuned in a little bit. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch it all on Sunday, uh, but I was I was in and out the on Friday night and uh, in Saturday, and what I saw looked pretty solid. So yeah, it definitely looked uh, somewhat improved. Um, on stream, we played some Omnath decks that are actually pretty solid. Uh, one of them, of course, is going to be the deck list for this week, the deck tech for this week over on YouTube. And I might try to record some gameplay, some separate gameplay that isn't me 
trying to focus on the stream and chat at the same time just to put up on YouTube because I think the that deck really warrants it. The deck was really fun. There's a tribal four color Omnaths. Uh, mm-hmm. So again, that's that'll be the deck tech for this week. It's a lot of fun to play, uh, and we made a lot of triggers. Uh, but anyway, let's let's check out this BNR update. So October twelfth, of course, this did leak a little bit over the weekend. Some dastardly data miners found the URL get claimed, uh, but you couldn't access the article just yet. So of course, banned in standard now. On that looks of creation, Lucky Clover and Escape the Wilds. That one kind of caught me by a surprise because to me, Escape the Wilds was going to be like, I feel like I'm part of a multi-combo ban to hit Omnath if they didn't want to hit Omnath, if right. that makes sense. Yep. Like, I, I was expecting like, okay, we're not going to get Omnath, but they could like, okay, for sure Clover, they could take like Cobra and Ultimatum or Cobra and Escape the Wild instead of Omnath. But here yeah. they just straight went for Omnath and were just like, also, Escape the Wilds was played a hell of a lot. So we're also going to ban that at the same time. I'm no expert, but like what it feels like happened to me was they made a ban list that involved not taking out Omnath and instead mm-hmm. taking out like Genesis Ultimatum and sure. uh, Escape the Wilds. And then obviously they were going to take out Lucky Clover instead. And instead they just decided they were going to go ahead and ban Omnath and forgot to take Escape the Wilds off the list. That's almost what it feels like to me, you know? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm not mad about Escape the Wilds getting banned, right? Like, oh, it's no, just no, another no. It's just another card that helps, that slows down the ramp decks a little bit. I mean, right. honestly, I think compared to um, Genesis Ultimate, if we wanted her ramp decks, I think Genesis Ultimate is probably the one to take out over Escape the Wilds because you still need mana to cast the spells from Escape the Wilds. Sure. I think that uh, Genesis Ultimatum... Uh, like might as well have also been on the ban list. Sure. Uh, I think that they're like sending the clearest message in the world of y'all don't like fast mana. Fine. No more fast mana, no more extra land cards. Yeah. And I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. Escape the worlds makes sense. Just because again, I think it, as far as I remember, it lets you play the extra land and, um, obviously that, that could maybe be a hurtful combo with, uh, Lotus Cobra because it gives you some of the, the lands back. So, I do, you know, as far as giving some of your mana back that you spent to cast it, right? So, like, mm-hmm. now, not only do you, to, you get to play an extra land, but when you play land and you've got a Lotus Cobra in play, it makes it effectively cost two or three, whatever we're down to at that point. So, um, I do I do understand that part of it. It definitely was a combo with Omnath, because, like, it costs right. red-green three, so, like, mm-hmm. you could spend his four different colors of mana very effectively yep. on that spell. Yep. That's the, um, that's the thing I saw, right, was was on turn five that went Omnath, Crack, Fetch, and then, you know, my Omnath is free. Here's an Escape to the Wilds. Mm-hmm. To me, it seems like, you know, they got the whole Wu-Tang Clan. They're like, mm-hmm. we're taking out Omnath, and we're taking out all of his friends. Right. Yeah. Right. They got they got Method Man, Red Man, they got him. Yeah, we got them all. Nobody, nobody gets out. Yeah. I, I, I do appreciate the fact that the internet was already whining that we also need to ban something from the rogues into mere flash decks. I'm just like, you guys don't even understand how bad standard was. If you're just like being something from the rogue deck, I don't like flash spells. Yeah. There was a lot of like interesting comments on it again. Like most of them, whatever, like opinions are opinions. Everybody should, everybody can have their own. But like one I saw was like, people were like, Oh, why do you care about lucky Clover? 
you know, it just it limits you to playing cards from one set. And uh, you know, a player who, <laughs> yeah, and like a player who was pretty good was like, mm, I'm pretty sure if you let me play mirrored and block, I'd do pretty well against a lot of your decks. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever that yeah, might be. Like, remember energy? No, no, know? yeah, no doubt that Eldraine is one of the most powerful sets we've seen in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how much of the ban list is just Eldraine? Is Eldraine yep. like the most banned set in like modern magic? Like air quotes modern magic? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you, um, I guess we, we won't count like Mirrodin. It absolutely is, you know? Yeah. Just because Mirrodin gets the spell lands. I, I, uh, sorry, the artifact lands, which is sure an unfair kind of advantage. But no, I think you're absolutely right. I think one of the you know interesting things about this, and this is why we're even bringing up standard in the first place, was like, I this changes my view a little bit on uh-huh. their stance on printing powerful cards because I like powerful magic cards. The thing is, I, I want them to be a little more diverse. Like, I, I do wish like more than just one strategy was pushed. Like, because the problem we've really had is fast mana, right? Like, yeah. and, and Embercleave has been one. So, like, don't get me wrong. Embercleave is definitely, like, a Which very, very strong we'll, we'll, we'll see if Embercleave warrants something further down the road. That was yeah. kind of my fear was, like, if we did ban Omnath and Clover, we might have to ban Embercleave as well just to shore up sure. the red decks. But we'll see. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to give that one a shot. Yeah, and again, my argument is not a, it's too good. It's just that it's for certain a powerful card. And yes. it's just that, like, I would have liked to see them make different strategies stronger when what they've done is really, really push, like, green and blue, especially mm-hmm. as a unit. So, like, I like them printing powerful cards. They just kind of overdid it in one direction, but I like the fact that they're willing to correct it. So, like, I, yeah. I'm not going to go in as hard on Watsy kind of as I have, given that they've now shown, hey, look, we're willing to ban a Premier Mythic from the set we just printed because we recognized before we were like, oh, they'll never do it because they, they want the money too much. Yeah. But they've shown they're willing to. And I think that makes us, that makes a you know they and they showed hey we're willing to fix pioneer even though they didn't feel like whatever so i i like the idea that they're listening to players and i like the idea that they're willing to try and push the envelope and correct it if it goes in you know we don't want boring magic so i I think it is tough but again i think they deserve some criticism because you know you're printing base camp right like why aren't my party mechanics good why is it that my green cards are still overpowered and right. I can't get a good party mechanic. So, like, there's criticism to be had there. Again, I don't like the diversity of, of cards that they're trying to push. That's not it's not very wide. But I at least like the like I would like them to try and push that power level in different areas, maybe more interesting areas. Like they've kind of made mill stronger a little bit, right? They've they've you know kind of made it a keyword. So, long way of saying like I want that. I like the strength of cards they're pushing. I just wish it was in more directions. And I think they deserve criticism for the amount of places they're pushing it, like in green. The other thing that's important here is there is a willingness to ban Omnath, right? right? Like, I think that is the big thing. Not only is Omnath banned in Standard, it's suspended in, in Historic. Also in Historic, just to mention it, uh, Teferi and Wilderness Reclamation are fully banned now. They are previously suspended, and they've unsuspended Burning Tremissary. So we'll see if that helps the Gruul decks out. A little disappointed to not see anything happen with Muxus. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. Also, Omnath banned in Brawl. So, you know, hang in there, Brawl players. You, your savior's here. That's uh, right. All, all, all five of you. Um, but any, but like I'm trying to say, though, the fact that we're seeing a willingness now, if, if we're seeing this card get banned in Standard, that means I feel like they are more open to and willing to ban it in other formats, like, say, our format of Pioneer. I'm not saying Omnath is a problem right now in Pioneer. It is a very present player in the format, but is it by means 
going to take over right now? I don't think so. And now again, we, we stressed this last week. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, uh, just to give you a quick touchstone on our, our real thoughts, right? It's that Omnathan Pioneer is held up by its support group of Uro and Teferi, which are cards that I feel like for a while have been kind of on the precipice of like, something might need to be done about these cards in Pioneer. For sure. Like, and I, I still don't like Teferi. And again, I, I've seen a lot of, you know, obviously we got a lot of pushback for our, well, yeah. our criticisms. We don't, we don't it, want to upset the Teferi players again. No, 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 no. And again, it, it was, it, and again, it was just our opinion on it. But at the same time, it's an opinion based on something like, and we've just never seen that kind of thing before, right? Like, yeah, you know, the game has evolved a lot from when we started playing three thousand years ago, and you know, as a result, like it's it's kind of hard to understand how radical an idea Teferi is, and. Again, it's just it's it's not good design. We've banned cards for similar reasons before. For those that don't remember the eggs deck, but again, mm-hmm. we won't go over all that right now. It's just to say that that's a card that you know is really a solid supporting cast as far as like the Omnath decks. And like I think if you eliminated Teferi, you really wouldn't see Omnath even come close to being a problem. I think that the big thing about this whole announcement is that like right. Wizards is now realizing that it's if, if we're going to keep this design philosophy where we want to push story cards and push important cards to make them good on purpose, yeah, that they're they're going to be willing to become more of a Yu-Gi-Oh like game and just make like monthly ban lists. Like I, it feels weird because uh, like for the longest time we dealt with a bunch of stuff in standard and standard was always great. People would say like, Oh, it's standard. The cards rotate. That's why I don't like it. But like standard was always like pretty decent to great. And like nothing got banned until like, you know, Jace. And that was a one-time event and stuff like that. And uh, it's weird now that like, there's just a ban list for standard, like twice a month, you know, it's sort of mm-hmm. a little funky. I, I actually think that like uh, besides Omnath, I think that Zendikar was a major downshift in power uh, in a good way in a lot of card types. Like all the Planeswalkers are not the greatest, mm-hmm, which true. is absolutely wonderful. Like I, I know we want expensive and flashy and like really cool, like game breaking cards, but uh, do you really like you've been playing with them? Are you really happy when your opponent plays Oro, when your opponent plays Safari, when your opponent plays uh, Oko uh, veil of summer into our uh, start of the story whatever it's called once upon, once a, time. upon a time hey i got to cast those cards on friday yeah you did not oko though not oko still could not cast oko i just you know if this is the like way we're heading because it makes sense because most magic now played on arena so if a card gets banned from a set it's not going to affect the arena sales at all because literally they just turn that card off in the booster packs mm. right so like you will not open Omnaths in your booster packs anymore if you're on Arena unless you already have the whole set. And everybody right. who had the Omnaths, they can just give a wild card to, right? And it's pretty acceptable. Everybody's sort of accepting with that. Yeah, uh, It's still more of a like, well, well, can Paper Magic sustain this kind of like wild volatility with the band list? Uh, you know, who knows? When we get back to playing Paper, we'll have to see. But... I mean, it's it's a thing where I feel like if you look at, say, the film industry right now, there's a reckoning with trying to balance digital releases 
versus theaters because even though theaters are still opening, some are opening, right? Not a lot of people are still feeling comfortable going to them and seeing movies in them and stuff like that, right? So the shift to streaming in the movie industry was always going to happen eventually. But I feel like the pandemic is sort of helping speed that along. And I think we're seeing a very similar thing with Magic and other card games right now in this pandemic situation. You know, um, am I excited for people who get to go out and still play at the LGSs? Sure. That's awesome. People that have their their places of living have earned that right to go do that right. Mm-hmm. But then I also see places holding unsanctioned events very questionably. And I feel like, man, no amount of air quotes safety is really going to get me to go to a setting like that, I think, right now. Yeah. But this... I but that that's a whole other point though. But just I just think that the whole COVID situation sort of pushed the button, pushed the envelope faster than we were expecting to now magic is tr- faster than it's anticipating transitioning into a digital comes first, paper comes separate, second market. Workman, that's a great transition if you want to into what I was going to talk about this week a little bit. Sure. Um, if we want to go there, if, if the if the listeners can hold on uh, for our pioneer breakdown for this one segment. We've got a new segment debuting this week. Uh, it's going to be called Chris's Crafting Corner, uh, but it will involve all of us. I just like alliteration, so we're, we're putting that there. Uh, and each week, I was this kind of was born because I was thinking about like what I, what do I have to add uh, of worth to this podcast? I mean, we, we joke about how long we've been playing, but it really has been a very long time. Again, 16 years um, for me at this point since 2004, uh, maybe even a little before that if you count casual play. But given that I've you know, gone back to school with the pandemic, I don't have as much time to play Magic as I used to. So you know, there's a whole wealth of information out there, given that our, our listener base tends to be newer players, um, some of them even in Europe who are listening to the prof um, uh, due to lack of you know, whatever in, in their country. So we, we welcome, we love all of that. And so you know, what, what could we contribute to that? What could I contribute to that, um, given that I'm playing less and can't really give the tournament reports that, that some people can? And it kind of was like, well... You know, I have years of magic theory that we've read. You hear us talk all the time about like, oh, why, uh, why extirpate type effects? Why cranial extraction effects aren't very good? It's not that just we've made that up. That was like, there's a whole article on that written by, I think, Luis Scott Vargas years ago, um, explaining what pro thought was at the time when that cycle was kind of going around. So a lot of these are things we've read, understood, whatever throughout time. So one of the things that kind of I was thinking about was just what you were talking about is the push to digital makes it so that a lot of the techniques we used to use, a lot of the advantage you used to have if you were a frequent in-person player, goes away. Because uh, there is no more Patrick Chapin's all my legal targets gain fear type situations anymore, where you just say all my legal targets gain fear, your opponent thinks, oh, all my creatures must have, you know, all his creatures must have gained fear, I guess I'm dead. That doesn't happen anymore, right? Arena does a lot for you. It is a lot more about your technical play. So the more you get down to the nitty gritty, assuming you're trying to kind of optimize, the better chances you'll have of winning. And even if you're just playing for fun, right, like winning is fun, having a a better game plan will help. So the whole topic this week that I was going to pitch to you guys was essentially just having a game plan and like, how do you guys think you can come up with a, a better game plan when particularly like when building a deck, when making a strategy for, you know, facing a tournament, wherever you guys want to take this, I'm open to it, but I really just thought about like, you know, how how having a game plan, how having a clear idea in your head of what you're doing 
makes your gameplay so much easier. Right. So like more like linear strategies. Is that what you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I guess so. And like, you know, to, to expand further, I guess one of the questions I was asking you guys was like, what do you think is the easiest strategy to play? There were no wrong answers. I was I was referencing combo control aggro because one of the things I was thinking of was like aggro got so much harder to play with the idea of planeswalkers being introduced. Mm-hmm. Aggro already wasn't the easy, super easy to play. But I think there was a pretty solid argument that it was the easiest because your yeah. game plan was clear, right? Like I need to get my opponent down to zero planeswalkers added a whole new dimension because now a lot of times if you don't kill that planeswalker you lose the game again a whole other article written on the idea of planeswalkers creating a sub game wherein if you don't kill that planeswalker you lose so Mm -hmm. now you've got to decide well where do you know where does my damage go right you know it's a lot harder to decide well do i really have time to be able to kill that planeswalker can i kill my opponent before the planeswalker kills me so on and so forth so um, and my argument there was like when you play a combo deck these days, you know, you don't have to worry. Planeswalkers don't affect you as much if it's like a Teferi. So, you know, from wherever you feel inspired to talk about this, because I did want to make it a little bit uh, of an open form. We've talked a little bit about deck building in the past. If we want to go back there, we can. But just like I was thinking about combo and how the you know, combo decks these days, a lot of times have a plan. Um, you know, hey, you're trying to win before your aggro deck beats you down. Control decks are a lot of times a little bit freer for a matchup. You're playing around counter spells. You know, if you go in with a clear game plan, I think they can be a great way to potentially learn the game, obviously depending on the format, but especially in Pioneer, you know? Yeah. So my my answer, and this is something I, I bring up a lot actually when we're streaming, mm-hmm. is knowing when to play your spells. Sure. And that's not just like, you know, how do I want to curve out? It's knowing when your spells are going to have the most impact in the game. An example of this is uh, I used to play Burn back during, uh, this would have been standard with Return to Ravnica and Theros. Mm-hmm. And Blue Eye Control is a very popular deck then. And the Burn matchup was actually like not the best. But if you what do what I did a lot of the times in that matchup, I had a very good record in that matchup, even though my deck would not have been necessarily well matched in that, just because you come to the understanding that there's no reason just to run your hand out into counter spells and just leave your mana out like depleted for your opponent to then just respond and do whatever they want and establish their board step on their their board presence on their turn. You know, you you'd start I started just to Hey, if I had to discard a card, like you, I would play my land and just pass. If mm-hmm. I would have to go to discard, okay, that's when I fire off the the lightning strike or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. You, you essentially, I just got to the point where I, you get to the point where if they will eventually have to have a tap out turn, and mm-hmm. on that tap out turn, when they tap out for their Elspeth or their Aetherling or try to resolve a big rev or something like that, that's when you get to slip in like two, maybe even three burn spells because, okay, they'll probably have enough mana up for one counter spell, right? right? But if you can slip in two to three burn spells and then you get to then untap and resolve the rest of your hand, that's a game one. Another issue I always see is I think about like pump spells. Uh, we I played a match a few weeks ago on stream against the opponent who was playing Electric Static Pummeler. Mm-hmm. And I was just attacking into their board with like Ravel Masters and Legion War Bosses or whatever, just because they had to attack from the other goblins being in play or whatnot. 
and my opponent was just down to one card in hand a lot of the point in that game. And they would just, and they had, I would say, like nine energy stacked up, and they would spend their one pump spell and their energy to kill my war boss. And they, they were still at a very high life toll. They didn't need to kill that creature. Whereas I think of if they would have saved up the Blossoming Defense and then the Gore Clan Rampager and then their Infuriate, right? Those three spells that they drew over three turns plus their nine energy that they had wasted, I'm just dead. I think you have to realize the value of your own spells and start thinking about what is going to put you back in the game. Now, I, you know, I am a person who concedes early a lot of the time, and that's just I don't like wasting time in my mind. Uh, but that's usually like the FNM level and stuff like that. But in actual events, right, like you, you make your opponent play it out. Because also, you know, you never know what's going to get you back in the game. You know, obviously it'll sometimes take more than one spell. But if that player had thought about, well, I have one pump spell. If I know there's like seven or eight other cards in my deck that give trample, I've got three activations, electrostatic pummeler. My opponent's at like 15, right? Mm-hmm. All I need is one good attack and th- they can't win. And, right. and I get to win the game instead. So I think that's really what you have to start looking at. Yeah, for sure. Ricky, do you have, uh, I, I kind of felt when he started bringing up kind of playing to your outs, you have any stories uh, quick to share or lessons on that? Because I think that's a big way we could go about this. Um, so like, in my opinion, there was like a moment, it was a uh, Austin GP, mm-hmm. Theros was the newest set and it was standard. And I was playing uh, Mono Blue because I love Mono Blue. But uh, the important game that I watched that really helped me, I think, grow because uh, once again, everybody thinks like, oh, the mono red aggro decks, like the like creature based aggro decks, you just play your cards and you try to swing and you hope there's no like board wipe and stuff like that. And it's a lot more complicated than that. I was watching a pretty decent, uh, by pretty decent, I mean, uh, professional uh, level local player at the time. And he was playing mono white against the control deck. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has just like his opponents at 10. And he has no cards in hand, and his lands are two planes and uh, or three planes and two mutavolts, right? Mm-hmm. And he draws a three drop from his deck, some like three drop beater. Mm-hmm. And just without even thinking, he just animates his two mutavolts and swings for four. Mm-hmm. And then like uh, opponent like untaps and draws and like uh, plays. Uh, something on the board, uh, like a planeswalker to help him draw cards. I think it was, uh, was it Jace, the architect? Oh, of thought it, at the time? it would have been architect of thought, yeah. And then just like, uh, passes. Uh, guy draws. It's another three drop. Just animates mutavolts, swings in an opponent, and uh, like you know, asked him after the game is just like, it's like if I take the turn off there to let him build back from the pressure. Like mm-hmm. he, he needs instant speed removal to kill the mutavolts. It's way better to keep pressuring with the mutavolts until he finds an answer for both of them to mm-hmm. start building my board back up again. And it's just like you like just to be able to make those kinds of plays, I think is really hard because like very clearly it's like, oh, uh, it's more mana efficient if I swing with one mutavolt to put him to eight and then play this three drop and then he has to answer it. But it's just like it's like I know he's got supreme verdicts. I know he's got uh, banishing light. But like he does not have 
a way to instantly kill my mutavolt right now. So I need to keep bashing, you know? Yeah. And you know what I think? The, I think one of the important lessons there is frequently when I see like the best plays that, that some of the, some of the best plays that I can remember, a lot of them aren't made after like five minutes of thinking about the situation. Right. right? A, a lot of them are made by people who act immediately, not because they're some genius who, and they might be right. I'm not trying to make any sense, but they're not some genius who is, you know, Oh, devised the perfect plan thinking 20 moves ahead. They're people that have played the matchup before. They under or they understand what they're supposed to do. They understand what they're supposed to be doing so that when the time comes, they're not having to figure out what to do. They know what to do. And that's kind of where I wanted to go with like the understanding your game plan, right? Like if you understand right. your game plan, either, you know, I was just doing a thought experiment as a combo deck, but as whatever it is, you know, you understand what your deck's reach is to know as an aggro deck, whether or not you should be attacking that planeswalker or not, you will see your win rate go up, especially in this world where we're playing a lot of arena, right? I mean, a lot of it mm-hmm. is uh, edges. You used to see poker players, right? Professional poker players. Go look at the old theory. A lot of it's rating your opponent, looking at tells, what you're supposed to be doing. Now it's all about range. What could my opponent have in the situation? What are my odds? It's extremely technical. And magic's always been very technical, but especially with the elimination of the, the person-to-person element, you have less to keep track of. The minor decisions are going to matter a lot more, you know? Again, there, there was an old article about complicating the board state uh, when playing against you know, less experienced players because you can a lot of times gain an advantage when the board state's complicated and having them forget their triggers or whatever. Again, with Arena, that's gone. So knowing your plan in whatever matchup it is, in whatever, you know, even if you're building a deck, whatever you're doing, having a game plan makes all the difference these days. Mm-hmm. And another thing I sort of want to point out, again, sort of with like, the red decks or the burn decks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of newer players uh, just re- just think that it, it's a lot of comes down to the the idea that your life is a resource. Sure. And I don't know how many games I've won just because my my red opponent have just pointed all their burn spells at my creatures. Yep. They they exhausted the resources too quickly. And eventually they ran out of burn spells right, and then mm-hmm. their cheap little duders just aren't going to close out the game for them and then you eventually just have like the two more creatures that you need to win the game right right um that's it's one of those classic cliche things of just oh imagine your life's a resource but it's a relevant thing to think about a lot of the time yeah and it's not to say you should never kill your opponent's creatures with burn spells but it's just that you have to be careful if unless your opponent is swinging for lethal or like a very corner case right like you just need to have life for your turn for whatever reason mm-hmm. you don't need to point those burn spells at your opponent's creatures right well both are mana dorks you know what i'm saying sure no only obviously right but right. there's no re- reason to like bolt my bear that i played on turn two right burning tramissary probably doesn't need to eat that lightning bolt you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the other side of the coin though like you know everybody talks about life as a resource but you need to know you need to know your clocks and your ranges and it's really important in my opinion like everybody says like, oh, life is a resource, you know, and the last mm. point is the only point that matters. That is very true. But it's like, hey, like I need to know, not think about like my life. Like I have 20 life. That doesn't tell me anything. It's like, how many turns do I have? What is my current clock for my opponent? It's like yeah. my opponent has a 2-2 two, two, and a 3-1. I have a clock of four. I'm dying in four turns if nothing happens, right? Mm-hmm. Like what is happening? Like if my opponent just has like a 1-1 one, one and a 2-2, two, two, well, now my opponent has three damage and I, I'm clocked at like, you know, seven turns. 
You know, so, we used to have to think about shock lens. Now we have to think about bolt lens. And like that extra point <laughs> yeah. can really matter in a lot of cases. And thresholds yeah. you need to know about. Like if you're in a format with lightning strike, you know, mm-hmm. you need to think. Or, you know, if the format is lightning strike or the far- format is a galvanic blast. And it's just like, well, am I about to like, I need to make sure I don't drop under four. Mm-hmm. If it's a galvanic blast and if it's a lightning uh, strike format, then you need to not be able to drop below three. Uh, in modern, where there's more burn spells, you're thinking like, um, I need to keep my life at seven because at six, I'm two burn spells away. Yep. And like stabilizing out, and especially in like limited formats too, I can't tell you the number of times that like, especially with Zendikar and how important it is to try to like turn the corner on your opponent, how swinging the format can be. People will take some damage to try to preserve their clock. Mm-hmm. And if they if they drop into five, man, that royal eruption is going to get you. People are playing yeah. seven mana lava, lava axe, you know? Yeah, it's out like, there. You need to keep in, keep in mind, like, what is in the format that could just kill you? Like, how many turns do you have? If you're a combo deck, like, what has my opponent done and how many turns do I have? How many draw steps do I get? Can I have my combo by then? Yeah, the, the last point I want to make on this before we move on, and because one of the inspirations for this um, idea was thinking about the amount of times, you know, especially at my old shop, somebody would be like, hey, Chris, you know, they, they had heard about some of the, the tournaments I had played in or whatever it would be, or they just recognized me as a, as a longtime player. They'd be like, hey, can you help me with my deck? It's always a fun and, you know, for whatever dumb reason, almost kind of like flattering when somebody wants you to help with their deck, right? Like that's an exciting decision. It means they, they've seen your expertise. They want you to help. And the amount of decks that I had to work through that were like half mil and half X was way too darn high. There mm. was way too many people trying to combine plans. And we see it a lot these days. We're like, look, I'm combining combos and that's a good idea. But again, you have to differentiate the point between what's a good half and what's a bad half. Mill's a tough one because you have so many cards to get through. So like if you compare like a mill to a burn spell, how much am I affecting their resource? You know? Yeah, they take one point a turn if you want to look at it like that, but it's one out of 60, not one out of 20. And every time you're milling three, you're not really milling, you know, dealing three damage, right? It's way, it's three times as many cards in their deck as it is their starting life total. So you're dealing like one point of damage whenever you mill three, essentially. So you've kind of got to look at it that way. And the problem there comes, it helps if you have an understanding of like, you know, what are my likelihoods to draw lands? What are my likelihoods to draw action cards? Because if you look at it and you see, you know, hey, if you've got a really convenient backup plan for Mill, like there was a Field of the Dead, but for Mill, yeah, like that's not hard to put in your deck, but it's good to understand, you know, what are what are the likelihood that my plan is going to succeed? You know, especially before you ever sit down, understanding what you need to do, can your deck do it, it is kind of a big one. So Knowing those are the two things that inspired what I was uh, thinking the about. The big question today. you always have to ask yourself is, how am I going to win? Right. Exactly. If you are a control deck and you are going to win with a hero of Dominaria ultimate, then you, then you ask yourself, how do I get to that point? What do I need to do in this game or in this deck to get me to a point where I can ultimate a hero of Dominaria? Yep. Well said. All right. Are we cool? uh, Moving on from here. All right. Pioneer metagame, our 14 day peak of the pioneer metagame in number 12 is gruel mid range. In number 11 is Esper Control, that Yorian shell, of course. Surprise, surprise, number eight, we have Mono White. I'm going to say Mono White Little Black, because, of course, we're playing 
General Kudrow in the main and some like Thoughtseize and stuff like that in the sideboard. Uh, we have in number seven, Blue White Spirits. In number six, Jeskai Luca. Oh, wait, hold on. Sorry. Uh, 12, 11, 10. Nine was Jeskai Spirits. Eight is Jeskai Luca. Seven is Wilderness Reclamation. Six is Rakdos Pyromancer. Five, down from either number three or four, Four Color Omnath. Uh, making their way uptown to the number four slot from, I think, pretty low down last week is Lotus Combo. Lotus Field making a run for it. Uh, and that is, of course, at 7.3%. Uh, of course, the, the big jump here was from Rakdos Pyramids at 4.8 to Four Color Omnath at 7%. Uh, we have Niv to Light hanging around at number three at 84 Orzov Auras at 10.4, and then Mono Black Aggro keeping it down at 13.2. So obviously some big movers and shakers there. The Mono White deck has been really making some moves lately, and actually it's been raising the deck's price just a little bit, but it's still sub-100 ticks if you're looking to get in. Uh, Lotus Combo I think was the big move, right? I think it was hanging around that like 11th or 12th slot all the way up to number 4 right now. So uh, can this deck be stopped? Yeah, it definitely can, right? Like, I, I think that's why, honestly, in, one, in my opinion, you're seeing some of the other aggro decks kind of go up because, hey, I'm, I'm willing to race you with with Auras, right? Like, yeah. that deck does not play a lot of interaction, but I also love the Lotus combo deck because that's there to say, hey, if you're going to be the greediest deck on the block, uh, I'm just going to kill you. You know, you, you don't have time to sit there and set up your combo for five turns because I'm going to kill you first. You play your on mass. I'm gonna be Jenny from the block. I was about to say, I was like, I'm pretty sure what Lotus Co- Lotus Combo says is like, you want to play your Omnath? That's cool. Have fun. I'm gonna win on turn six. I think you're winning faster than that. And I think the big deal is again, like the Omnath decks have some, you know, or at least some of them right now, but some of them have Anger of the Gods. They have main deck ways to deal with creatures. They don't have main deck ways to stop you from going infinite, right? So there's there's the big fight is aggro decks can also kill you before then. And I'm sure sometimes they do, which is why you're seeing aggro uh, be yeah, so successful. So, but so the, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna say it might be time to redust off those dampening spheres again. Oh, I think so. I, I think Ricky pointed out last week where there was just not many in the sideboards, and um, I haven't looked to see how many there are right now, but hopefully people are, are getting a little smarter. Um, again, I like the existence of the deck, but I think it's easier to keep in check now, And but I do like that it's it's keeping these Omnath decks from running over everything. Obviously, Dampening Sphere, not as best in matchups other than... Not like Obviously, the, the Lotus Field combo decks are going to be its, its best matchup, but honestly, in some of the Omnath decks, I don't mind bringing in a Dampening Sphere, especially if they're trying to double spell on their Omnath turns and escape to wild turns and stuff like that. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I think um, I think there's some solid decks. Again, like where 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 have the Tomics gone? You know, forget yeah. where are my Rhinos. I, I think Tomics a card that uh, could could make a comeback. Where have all the good men gone? With What's that? with with. Oh, go ahead, Ricky. I just said, where have all the good men gone? <laughs> yeah, I just think that without Demir Inverter really homogenizing the format, mm-hmm. I, I think we're seeing pioneers start shifting to a modern setting where you, you can only have a sideboard prepared for so many cards for so many matchups. You're gonna have to start looking for those really crossover cards unless you really, really need that singular silver bullet, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of the time, especially back in like the when modern's good. You know, it's just going to come down to, did you have the right sideboard for the weekend? 
yeah, I mean, that was that was a big one, too, was, you know, um, people who plan not for what won last weekend, but what they think is going to win this weekend. Right. So that is to say that was a big thing where it's like, hey, you know, last week combo showed up huge. Well, guess what? This week, everybody's going to be showing up prepared to beat that combo deck. Mm-hmm. So you need to be prepared to shut down those decks, right? Like you want to be one step ahead because most people are extremely reactive. So when you're looking at week to week, which was a lot of time, you know, used to be how old paper magic was played. I don't know what the format turnaround time is now with digital, but again, it used to be, Hey, there was a tournament, a big tournament a week or two ago, you know, that deck is going to be the targeted deck. So yeah. you need to find out what targets the deck that's targeting that, you know, it's partially the reason why I choose a 14 day look at the format instead of a seven day. Yeah, um, that's kind of the reason why Like, we can go as far out as like 30 or whatever. But I think mm-hmm. the the, tw- the 14 days are pretty good view of like a general idea. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right. I mean, ready for challenges? Let's go. All right. All right. 10 10 challenge taken down by Azorius Spirits by Traft. Second place Lotus Combo. Third place. What is this? Four color Omnath. Yeah. Four color Omnath playing oath of nissa i feel like that's a new include here and we're not on the um felidar retreat build so this is a slightly updated look at that deck uh, we have fourth and fifth place niv to light sixth place mono black aggro seventh place selesnia auras eighth place esper control so here's the big you know again those those omnath decks they're hanging around they're third fourth and fifth but they still just can't clinch that number one spot. I, you know, what? what's what's keeping these back? Are these decks just fairer than we think? Are people just prepared for the matchups? Like, what what is separating Pioneer from Standard? Besides, obviously, a lot wider card selection. Is thought is it Thoughtseize? Like, I, you know, what what is separating this format from being overrun with Omnath like like Standard was and Historic was? You don't you but, don't have the time. And, and again. You know, we, we have these, uh, mostly it's um, Lotus, but now coming up as we're going to see in a minute, it's Oopsal spells. There's combo decks that can go bigger. In standard, Omnath is the biggest thing you can be doing a lot of the time. There are some janky combos, but they're just too many cards to set up. Uh, Omnath was, you know, part of its own combo deck. If you were going to Genesis Ultimatum plus like Ruin Crab, there was a lot of ways you could take it, but it, it was like the over-the-top strategy, right? And yeah. in Pioneer combos are the over the top strategy because they're going to kill you first they're more redundant right so they yeah. can they have more ways to search out what they're looking for so i think pioneer is is really a great format right now due so, to the fact that we have these checks and balances so i was going to say are do we have that rock paper scissors now of like omnath mid-range decks either lotus field or the oops all spells combo and then like you're you're just sort of whatever aggro decks do you think we're starting to finally hit that nice Rock, paper, scissors, balance with control somewhere in there. Ricky, what do you think? Like, Azoria's Spirits is dropping its hand on turn three. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just going to go, like, like play a duder, play Watcher, and then just, like, here's three dudes at flash speed. Um, So, like, you're just dying too fast. And, like, mono black aggro, like, you're getting your hand attacked, and, like, their creatures are just so efficient, and you wipe them, they come right back. And, like... I just think the other decks, like the thing with Omnath, right, is that he is very good in the vacuums that he was let into. Um, like Historic has like one-off really powerful cards. Like it has Thought Season, it has Collected Company, but it doesn't have like 
the full array of just powerful creatures that you can play in Pioneer. It doesn't have like the all the tribal synergy of spirits or the like nonstop like recursive threats of mono black sure. aggro. Um, it really just sort of uh, it doesn't have like the oomph like the of like Slesnia auras. Like you don't have ethereal armor. You don't have the hexproof guys. Like uh, the you have like bits and pieces of powerful cards in historic, but you don't have like full on catalogs of powerful cards like you do in pioneer mm-hmm. uh so in my opinion like you know if you leave omnath in a room with ember cleave and like what else is powerful and standard right now like uh, uh well adventures at the time right yeah like, it's just like yeah omnath is going to be the standout guy you know yeah but if you leave omnath in a room with like lotus field and like mono black aggro azorius spirits uh ethereal armor um, even like the stuff that red green plays is just like, I don't know. I feel like Omnath is really close to being just a powerful card, um, yep. for standard, but it just, it's too good for standard and not good enough to break into pioneer and modern. Well, I wouldn't say it's not good enough to break into pioneer. It's not good enough to like hold over the oppress, format. Like it was, oppress right? the like, format. Yeah. I mean, spell queller just eats Omnath. Which is hilarious. Uh, are, you, are you guys even playing Spellcaller anymore? I thought you didn't play it because you couldn't drop it on turn three. No, you're still playing Spellcaller. Of course okay. you're playing Spellcaller. Why would you not play Spellcaller? Because it doesn't like, cost one mana. Yeah, that doesn't matter. It's yeah, still okay. like a two mana counter anything in the format, really. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, all right, so our second challenge, of course, uh, taken down by Bill Sieve, Bill Sive, with just Esper, just control. Like, we're playing Yorian, but we're not on the full Yorian package, right? Like... I mean, it's got some of the big Yorian payoffs, but we're just playing a bunch of extra control cards here. Yeah, like, this is just a, like, two Narset, four Teferi, three big Teferi. Like, we're just playing control. We're just playing 80-card control, which is the most tilting way to play control. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, then in second place, we've got Mono Black Aggro, third place, Orzhov Auras, fourth place, Boros Burn, fifth place again, Azorius Spirits, Sixth place, Jeskai Luka. Seventh place, Bant Spirits. And fifth place is Oops All Spells, correct? Yes, eighth it place, is. yeah. Eighth place, Oops All Spells. Well, there's Oops All Spells hanging in there. I don't think it was in our top 15 or top 12, I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, because it finished in, uh, looks like, 15th place and we only covered the top 12. But, you know, we keep talking about it. Oops All Spells hanging in there. The little engine that could. Yeah, again, I think you've got a, a combo that's got eight cards that are one card combos, right? I mean, like yeah. that's that's the that's why that deck, in my opinion, is what it is. Is that we've got twelve cards that you know kind of kill ourselves, right? They deal they deal us three damage, they deal us a lot of damage, but that lets us get our turn four slash turn five combo off, and all we have to have is one of these crucial creature cards, right? Yeah, so like, and- I would I'd like to point out mm-hmm. this eighth place deck by Rodeo. Okay. okay. Um, what did I say last week about this deck? Was that I liked it when they played all three of the bolt lands because even if you're not going to play the green cards or play the blue cards in your deck, like you should play all the lands that can come into play on tap that you can. Mm-hmm. This this madman is playing four Agadim's Awakening, four Turn Timber Symbiosis, four Seagate Restoration, and two Amiria's Call 
with wow. nothing white to even cast. Hey, it comes in untapped. That's it the big deal, right? It comes in untapped. Yeah. We're going to gain all that life back with our creeping chills. It doesn't matter. Uh, last time, also, this guy's main decking. This guy's main decking his Thassa's Oracle. Ooh. And he wants to play the green cards and the blue cards. This guy, this is the new best version of this deck. Last yeah, week, I mean, I think I think Neoform's the truth. Last week, I, I gave it to whoever I gave it to. Yeah. This week, this is the best build of this deck. And honestly, I, I talked down about this deck before, and now I keep seeing it, and I'm just like, man, this is the only deck I want to play right now. And I built a shopping cart for it, and like, God... Agadim's Awakenings are so expensive. Right, right. <laughs> yep. This deck, like, I was like, I have all these cards. This won't be expensive at all. Uh, all the flip lands are uh, pretty up there, but that's fine. They're, still they gonna... are more expensive than the rare dual lands right now. Yeah. They're good. We they told you they were good. good. We said they were good. They turn out to be good. I mean, I don't appreciate Seagate's Restoration being here, but they're playing Hagar Mauling, so... Yeah, okay, I was going to say, we, we kicked uh, we kicked Seagate Restoration for Hagar Mauling. Even Seagate so. Restoration is, like, six bucks each, like... Yeah, because they, they're like, you'll pay six dollars for an island you, you have to bolt yourself to have untapped. Mm-hmm. We know you're not going to cast the front side of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, and of course, hey, we have an extra kind of challenge here, uh, because I don't exactly quite know... I. I feel so. I feel bad trying to be like I don't know quite well what the champs is, uh, just because man, MTGO stuff is so hard to understand. Because just like the pro scene, to get an idea of what all the the Magic Online events are that week, you have to just like dig through all the event listings, right? So I think this champs is like to queue for it. You had to win some of the challenge or something or other. Again, correct correct us if I'm wrong on this. This is my understanding of just like the information I could find today on yeah. what this event is. So and then on, I and, believe the and then I believe this feeds into the mocks. I think you're right. So on the on the mother site. Okay. It's called the Pioneer Championship Qualifier. Qualifier, yeah. Yeah. So take that take that for what you will. But yeah, no it used to be like we understood clearly the pro scene because like, you know, not always, but like we were we were we had some pro points. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then like they weren't too hard to get. You day two to GP at a certain point, you got some pro points. So like we would understand, you know, when we were really grinding, hey, what's that hunt for bronze look like? <laughs> you I know, was what two was points that? off bronze. Yeah, exactly right. I, I well I remember those days. I mean, I remember those days we were we were grinding PTQs and uh you know, in all that, I mean, all of us are playing, you know, PPTQs when that system came around. I remember all of it. So it's just that these days, even pros are asking, what what are these things? So Well, you guys, you guys had pro points. I was in the judge point bracket. No, judge fair enough. points. Um, all right. So this champs, hey, look, it's another. This actually got won by Oops All Spells. They're playing the rogues that Ricky didn't like, right? And I think the other deck didn't have Kazandu Mammoth. And they're playing the Collective Brutality and Thought Seasons and stuff like that, right? They're, they, they're here for the more interactive game so plan. This but list, they're still in on the Neoforms. This list is not it. Like, this, like it's good. They, they played it well, clearly. They did, they did very well. And uh, I'm not saying that they're bad. They're very good. They are not playing the Amirius Calls. That's 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 Ricky's sign of a true champ this week. So are you playing Amirius Call? Yeah, like I mean, like I just saw the light. I saw the perfect Oops All Spells deck list. Did you see the sign? Did it open up your eyes? In the challenge, like mm-hmm. I saw that eighth place deck, and I'm like, this is it, baby. This is the way to roll, right? And this is fine, but it's not going to excite me like two Amirius Calls is. 
Like yeah. That that's what I'm like. I'm awake now because of the two Amirius calls, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. But right. uh, you know, we're playing the the Tangle Fourhedron, we're playing the Neoform, only three Neoform. Uh we got a little caught up playing uh collection. Ross playing Elvish Evolution. Right. These lists are really hard to navigate through because uh there's no lands. <laughs> Also, well, I think also just in general, Goldfish is broken right now because once you have so many like flip cards, it just kind of breaks what it considers lands and what doesn't. And like I was having like my actual lands going to spells when I was like getting decklist ready to stream this last week. It was horrifying just to be like, what, where, where are all my spells at? Where are my lands at? Um, but so, okay. So oops, all spells one second place, gruel mid range. Uh, that's the deck that. Similar to, it's it's pretty much the deck that I talked about last week on the deck tech I've played before. They're on the Questing Beast Glorybringer split. Uh, I still kind of like just all in on Glorybringer in the face of Omnath right now. Uh, third place, Azorius Spirits. Fourth place, Jeskai Luka. Fifth place, Lesnia Auras. Sixth place, Jeskai Luka. Seventh place, Orozov Auras. Eighth place, Lotus Combo and... There's only a few other, there's only a few Omnath decks here, and they're pretty spread out, so this was not Omnath's event, it looks like. I don't think that there's going to be a Pioneer event that's going to be, quote, Omnath's Omnath's event. Omnath's event, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll all get our accounts together, we'll we'll all just show up to a challenge with Omnath, just so it gets a win under its belt, right? Like, we'll give, we'll give Omnath the IC title as the workhorse deck of the format. I think you look at the decks that do well, though, and you can kind of understand why, because here... You know, we've got our Orisov Oris, which, you know, on a, on a good draw, you're taking 15 on turn three, yep. you know, and, and you don't have time to mess with that when you're an Omnath. The other decks arguably go bigger, right? Our, our Fires of Invention Luka decks, you know, mm-hmm. we've got a solid plan. We've got, um, are we Yorianing here? We are yep. Yorianing. Okay, I was about to say, yeah, we've, we've got our Yorian. I was pretty sure to reset <laughs> a lot got, of stuff. They've got Mr. Steal Your Girl to get your Omnath. Uh-huh. Narset is going to stop you from drawing extra cards in case it's what one of your plans was. Um, Teferi, you know. So they, they've they got a solid plan here with the Luka decks that are, you know, at least took a couple of them. Then you're looking at, you know, an aggressive Spellqueller deck, right? Uh, here's a deck where we're going to put down some Mausoleum Wanderers, counter any of your nonsense that's ramping, and in the meantime, we're going to kill you, which makes sense that you could squeak some wins off that. Just a straight-up Gruul deck, and then a combo deck, which we just talked about, is not what the Omnath decks want to face, because you're going to die faster than what the Omnath decks kill condition can present. So, yeah, th- this event was not the one for Omnath, that's for sure. All right, are there any decks from the League you guys wanted to talk about? I have one, Chris. Do you have one, Ricky? You got one? Um, or is Ricky, were you just eyes opened by Emiria's call in Oops All Spells? Um, I mean, pretty much. I, I could talk more about that. I also have this uh, Spirits list up uh, that I was mostly drawn to just because the guy who's playing it is named Traft. Okay. Uh, which is... It's very on brand. Very, very, very on brand. Have you ever just made an MTGO account and you knew which deck you were going to play that day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, I will let you guys talk about your decks first because I actually have to go and be right back real quick. So, all right, uh, my deck is just hey, I love I love gruel decks. You know what? What are gruel cards? Dinosaurs. Uh, we got a five zero decklist from Volkswagen in the ten twelve league. We got four Elvish Mystic, four Lionel Elves, four Marauding Raptor, two Scavenging Ooze. Hey, that's not a dinosaur. Four Bone Crusher Giant. Hey, that's not a dinosaur. Two Ronus the Indomitable. Four Ripjaw Raptor, four Registrar Alpha, 
and two Galta Primal Hunger. That was definitely a dinosaur. Plus a plan two Domri Anarch of Bolus, four Commune with the Dinosaurs, and four Reckless Rages, along with 20 lands. I guess Commune kind of helps you get there with all the eight dorks, right? Like we don't really, if we're playing Commune, that kind of means we don't have to go into like 23 lands. Uh, but with my, as, as the, the Twitch chat knows, the way I've been running this last week, I need to play like 25 lands plus if I don't want to get ruined by the shuffler. Oh man. Uh, the, the red green aggro decks, uh, have you been playing the spell lands then? Um, no, just because like they're a little awkward for what you're trying to do. Right. Like, um, Turn Timber Symbiosis is way too expensive. I've thought about Shatter Skull Smash, in all honesty, um, but they're a little awkward with the Tarkus Command because you can't put them into play. Um, and just the, the other ones, like, they're not... They just aren't there for this type of deck, right? If we were playing a more mid-range deck, um, like, in the Omnath decks I was playing this weekend, um, we I played, uh, obviously, the Four Floor Hedron just because, hey, that's also an elemental for a Risen Reef or it's a land. Um, and then we were playing... Two turn timber symbiosis, two shatter skull smash. So I just don't think the the modal lands or the the spell lands, whatever you want to call them, right, are sort of what these decks want to be. Uh, maybe this dinosaur deck could play some turn timber or some shatter skull smash. Because uh, I'm I don't know if I'm super on Domri. Oh, Domri is he play? He's played the Raptor, right? Yeah. See so you fight. Okay, I guess, yeah. He also kind of anthems fun. the team to make Galta cost less. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And then if you if you hit the control matchup, I guess you you can force your big spells through. So it's not the worst. I don't know. I'm just I'm just so tied to a Tarkus command right now because that card is just straight value. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I did find a deck list to talk about. Um, sure. In the uh, in the champs. Okay. Uh, I think it's time. You know. Uh, everybody's talking about all these cool new decks. Look at this oops, all spells. But don't forget where you came from, right? Don't forget about Dre. Okay. Here at 19th place, mono green planeswalkers. Oh, we we're found st- them. We're they, still here. They've been gone for so long. We never left. We haven't been gone at all. Uh, I think they did leave. They have not. <laughs> as soon as Endicar dropped, they uh, they got locked in the basement. That we're back. We okay. got our Elvish Mystics and our Lana Elves. We're playing two Voracious Hydra, two Jade Light, three Elder Gargaroth. That's right. We Gargan now. I mean, uh, yeah. Back on That's... the Oath of Nyssa, back on the Wolf Willow Haven, mm-hmm. 21 lands, four Nykthos, and just one of's in the board because we can tutor for all tutor of them. For all of them, yep. With Arcbow Ranger and Karn, just like. You know in... Do you know what's my favorite card in the sideboard they can tutor for? God Pharaoh's statue. I was gonna say the Great Henge, but I was wrong. Apparently, <laughs> I mean, I love I love the Great Henge, but God Pharaoh's statue is just one of those annoying cards that you're just like, ah, oh, here's just the bulk uncommon. But then someone plays it on you like turn five, and you're just like, oh, okay. I, don't, I feel like Aligned Hedron Network is a very rude card. Oh, to grab. I didn't see Aligned Hedron Network. Okay, aligned Hedron Network, just like. Exile all creatures power five or greater. Just get out of here. What are you is doing? That, is that for the... What matchup is that for? Is that for auras? Dude, it gets auras. Like, I guess, yeah. Like, forget your your Karametra's Blessing. Forget your God's Willing, I guess. Yeah, just get them. Like, okay. Why not, right? And, like, the human deck gets pretty big, too. Yeah. 
You know what? You know what card was actually really solid this weekend? What? Back to nature. Back to nature. Destroy enchantments. Yeah. Oh man. Also, these. You know. You know what they got? You know what this what mono green planeswalker got? What they got? Damping sphere. Oh yeah, they do. They got damping sphere. We're they here. Can tutor for it. Yeah. yeah, they can find it. Uh, I think Chris. this deck has never been bad. I think this deck is always good. I don't care if people think it's not fun. This deck is always cool. I'd rather play against this than Teferi dot deck. Like I will play this over Esper Yorian over Doom Foretold any day. Elder Gargaroth is the most boring busted card I've ever seen printed, but this deck is still cool. It's got Vigilance, Trample, Reach, and a bunch of other dumb abilities. Uh, like I, a Vigilance, like why? Why does why does it have Reach? <laughs> because you're not allowed to play the game anymore until you answer it. Yeah, I guess. Chris, you back? You got a deck? Yeah, um, this is one I want to thank Ruckman for pointing out to me because I didn't see it at first. This is, of course, green-white scales. And I think that if you want a budget deck in Pioneer, you should probably be playing Orzhov Auras if, <laughs> if you want the most competitive bang for your buck. But if you want what is probably like the, a second tier of budget deck that is, you know, going to get you reasonable value, uh, just something a little bit different for you. Uh, you have green, white, hardened scales. So the only thing not a budget about this, surprisingly, is you know Stone Coil Serpent and obviously the the namesake uh, hardened scales. They're choosing to play in this deck Mana Confluence, but I absolutely don't think that's necessary, especially with the advent of Branchloft Pathway. I just I don't think you need it. I don't think you have to have it. So this deck here, we're going to companion Loris. We're going to play one endless one for an additional X spell for Stone Coil Serpent, for Experiment One, for Pelt Collector, to Swarm Shambler from the new set, for Avatar of the Resolute, for Conclave Mentor, three Huatli's Raptor, for Luminarch Aspirant, a card I said keep an eye on from the new set, and then two Scavenging Ooze because obviously that card's just an all star. Um, for Dromoka's Command, for Hardened Scales, and then at 20 lands. Again, this is a little bit less budget-friendly than the Humans list that we were presenting, um, and also obviously didn't have the Loris Companion. I don't think Loris does a ton for you these days, to be honest with you, but again, you know, you can make a non-budget version like this where you get your Experiment 1s, your Pulp Collectors, and kind of cheat your Stone Coil Serpents in there no matter how much you're casting it for, and kind of get it for free, right? For minimal, you know, what's your trade-offs, right? Your trade-offs aren't that much in order to play Loris. So, you know, you you might as well. So I'm super excited to see this deck 5-0. And of course, you know, again, Avatar of the Resolute, a card that I was pointing out early on of, hey, this card probably needs to be played if we're going to be more focused on green. It sounds like people are agreeing with me based on these deck lists. Uh, it Overall, it, it makes a lot of sense. So again, I'm a fan of our humans version just because I think that's a fun way. I think it's a little more budget friendly. But obviously this deck with the 5-0 looking maybe a little more competitive, a little more traditional right with our experiment ones and pulp collectors staying low to the ground to make sure we've got cheap threats that are going to get big so so did you say watley's raptor watley's raptor mm-hmm. God, that takes me back my i think the first time i went and played pioneer at a lgs i played phoenix of course and mm-hmm. uh the finals match i played against somebody playing green white counters with like fabled hero from theros yep. and watley's raptor and yep. uh, he just like stole the game when I he just goes like swing with fabled hero, and I tried to lightning axe it like an idiot, and he just blossoming defensed it, and mm-hmm. I took ten. Oof, 
Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Wildly Trapped is one we pointed out also in our budget version of green-white scales we did for the YouTube. So definitely a, a very powerful card, in my opinion. That's strong, again, because of the proliferate uh, mechanic on it, and it's also uh, a 2-3. So it's got solid stats. It helps you do what you want to do. That sounds great, guys. Yeah. Pioneer right. is sweet right now. I wish I could Pioneer. be playing it in paper. I know. Pioneer is will... definitely sweet. I'll continue to play on webcams and MTGO. Yep. It's a great format. All right, Ricky, you got a you got a quick dozen slap for us? I do, but I need somebody to summon some sort of theme music. Uh, all right, I will do the traditional summoning here. You ready? I'm ready. There, there's your ASMR summoning. Ah! All right, so uh, submitted to us by Tyrant. I think. Okay. Uh, let me just clear. Yeah, Tyrant is the person's name in the Discord. Okay. We have uh, Tyrant of Tales on the MTG uh, Goldfish, though. Uh, a pioneer deck, uh, very near and dear to me, uh, of an old archetype that was shot down in its prime before it even had a chance to really soar. We have Kethisless Kethis here. Ugh. So pour, pour uh, one out. Pour one out for the homie. Don't don't pour one out. Uh, Kethis was an amazing Abzan card that said all your legendary cards cost one less and that you can exile any two legends in your graveyard. And if you do, all the other legends in your graveyard can be cast from your graveyard this turn. Uh, Very, very, very degenerate combo deck um, with Mox Ambers and stuff like that. Um, Here we have Kethisless Kethis, because Kethis is banned for doing nothing. For good reason. Um, but we have, uh, in, in his place, Teshar, Ancestor's Apostle. And let me tell you, I was playing a one-of in my Kethis decks. And uh, Teshar was like the hype train. Like, Teshar just like ran away with games. Like, if you landed a Teshar at any point and got to untap with it, you did like the dumbest things. And the uh, highlights include... Uh, looping oro forever so we have this uh very standard build for the most part uh with the uh diligent excavators lazavs emery's luris oro teshar teferi and oath of nisses but now we're playing springleaf drum hope agiripur stone coil serpent just a few other cards to really get the diligent excavator up and going again uh, so the deck used to loop Mox Ambers. And uh, it did that by just using, of course, Kethis to cast Legends from our graveyard, because Mox Amber was legendary. And you just made mana forever. This deck is a very... Unless I'm missing something, it looks like a very good attempt at the old classic. Seder Wayfinder is here, because we can loop it with Teshar now. Um, but... It doesn't seem to exactly loop as well, but we could make it loop. I believe we can make it loop with Teshar. Do you, do you want the combo? Because they provided a handy-dandy cheat guide to everything. Did they? How does this actually combo? All right. So, step one. Cast Stone Cold Serpent, triggering Diligent Excavator and Teshar. Okay. The Diligent Excavator on the stack, you target your opponent, and the Teshar will target Luris in your graveyard. Okay. Uh, if you play the Stone Cold Serpent from hand or any other card but Luris, then you can use the first Teshar trigger for whatever. When Luris enters the battlefield, uh, hold on, is there setup? Okay, so you have to have a Luris in play in one in the yard. 
So there are some caveats here. Okay. Oh, I know this combo now. This combo, yeah. fun fact, does not work on Arena. Oh, because Arena gets mad at you after a while? Uh, no, Arena refuses to tell you which Luris you have not used yet. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. It will not tell you. You have to guess. Yep. Oh, okay. And you will guess wrong every time. Essentially, okay. Well, yes, okay, yes, I know the combo now from here. I, I do remember this. Uh, so essentially with the two Lurises, you're going to infinitely, with the Teshar combo, uh, revive Luris by casting the Stone Coil Serpent for zero. And then when the new Luris comes into play, you keep the new Luris, and now you can cast a card from your graveyard again, which is Stone Coil Serpent, which triggers Teshar, which gets okay. Luris into play. And that's how you loop forever. Okay, this combo works. I'm the <laughs> idiot. Tyrant is, is an immaculate gentleman. Uh, in that case, I would still change the Springleaf drums for Mox Ambers. Okay. And, and uh, maybe cut down a little bit on the Seder Wayfinder for the full four Mox Ambers for the full experience. Okay. Uh, card is just sort of nuts. I guess Lazav is more important than ever in this deck. Um, and Teferi is always very good at just protecting your combo. Oath of Nyssa seems important. So uh, Hope of Gearpur really just seems like the odd standout. I guess it's another way to shut your opponent off from interacting when you're trying to go off. I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of the main the main part there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I might suggest like a gather the pack over Hope of Gearpur even. But I guess if we need the protection, we could play the Hope of Gearpur. I would move maybe to the sideboard. Yeah, okay. Um, also, the sideboard is playing Deafening Silence. Yeah. I mean, you only have creatures, right? I mean, that's one of the benefits of not going all in on Mox Amber, right? Is that you can bring in Deafening Silence. Deafening Silence is non-creature? Yeah. I thought this card was just a one-mana rule of law for eternity. No. Oh, wow. Okay, no, never mind. This makes sense then. Okay. Uh, I think, uh, I thought I was going to have to, like, get in there and, like, uh, get the gears grinding. But actually, this deck is very good. I'm just going to, uh, I'm just ready to rate it. Well, I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, I have never played this deck before, and I'm just going to go off of what you said, because <laughs> you've put more work into this deck than I have. And like, so I'm going to go ahead and just ditto whatever Ricky recommended. Um, I don't think we can change any cards from this because currently it costs 369 ticks on MPGO. So we've, we've achieved perfection, right? Like, it just doesn't get any better than that. I, can I can really... we find a way to lower nineteen dollars for the tabletop cost without changing the MTGO cost? Right. So we can right. have four twenty three sixty nine. That that would be absolutely perfect. Um, as far okay. as th- these are some of these submissions that we really really like, but like we are not the most needed here because this is a deck that the the player has said I've tested this, and, and in which case like. This is clearly thought out, right? Like he deafening silence in the sideboard, understanding the like that your combo relies on creatures only now, is the type of thinking that makes us happy that you're here listening to our podcast, <laughs> right? Like this this is a player who clearly understands what is going on at least here, and obviously you know with Kethis, a lot of the deck has to stay there, right? So you know, um, I understand that. 
hey, right? Like it, we didn't necessarily do a ton of innovation here, but the recognition that the combo still works, the idea of putting deafening silence on the sideboard, the idea of tweaking this deck a little bit and still thinking, hey, I, I still want to play this, I think is brilliant. The only thing I think might be interesting, and this might be a bad suggestion, you guys can tell me, but we might be able to play like some kind of neo form or something like that, some kind of way to get out a key creature we might be missing is the only thing I'm thinking of. I understand that messes with our deafening silence in the sideboard, but it, we are pretty reliant on certain creatures. And I understand we need, that we need two Luris, right? So the big right. thing is uh, because our graveyard is just a hand, mm-hmm. any sort of neo form effect is sort of inefficient. We'd rather play like a gather the pack effect because uh, we love to just shove cards in our yard. Well, well, my thought, and, and I understand that, but my thought there is, like, the Neoform gets a card in your yard, which is an upside, and gets the particular creature you're looking for, which is why I thought it might be interesting. But I, I am with you. Gather the pack might be better. You would you would know better than me. But I think there are a couple slots that were kind of like, eh, you know, like the, again, the Hope of Gear Per, not sure how great that is. It's a one-mana way, obviously, to get your, you know, legendary, um, hit, get your historic, which, which I understand. But... Um, you know, they. I, I think a gather the pack or some kind of tutor effect might be worth looking at. Again, maybe you've already tried that tyrant. So that's that's the only thing we can think of, given there's not a ton of flex slots in this deck. But that's something I think you could maybe look at instead of the hope of Kirapur. And just when this deck goes off, whether it's now this version or the old cat this version, especially when it was happening on Arena, uh, it's just like actual factual bullying. Your poor opponent. It just has to sit there, and you just loop a million cards, but in a, like a really weird way that yeah. they just have to keep watching because it's not like cut and dry. It's not like uh, Splinter Twin on right. my Pester Might and you it's lose. It's not deterministic. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like. Well, are they gonna find their third amber? And like, are they gonna out mill themselves? How are they gonna mill me? And like, after ten minutes, when I start targeting the diligent excavator triggers at my opponent. And they're just like, okay, so now I'm dying. Okay, right. now I can right. concede. There, there's uh, a lot of turns where you're milling yourself for a ton, but not necessarily killing your opponent. And it may feel like it's kind of infinite, but like that needs to be a turn early enough where you can take whatever attacks or beatdowns you're going to get on your opponent's turn. And then the next turn, you'll have enough mana or whatever resources to do what you're doing. But we don't have infinity mana here, so um, or at least theoretically, right? So it's it's definitely a little bit, trickier and like you said it it is bullying because you take so much more of the time because your kill isn't deterministic at first eventually it just is right especially once we get our, our full combo online where we're, we're going infinite but before that right um very fun deck uh thank you for this mission now that i am enlightened in how this deck actually works <laughs> um uh are we ready to give it a, a rating yeah, yeah i'm ready all right who didn't get to go first last time me all right ruckman go first uh, I'm going to give this deck a 35 of the 40 ounces we're pouring out for Kethis. There we go. I like it. That was a pretty good one. Ricky, you uh, can go because I always steal yours. Uh, right. Uh, I will give this deck a perfect 369 out of 10. There we go. Which is I the ticks cost of this deck. Yeah, make, uh, makes sense to me. Um, I will give this deck... A, a similar rating i will give it a 420 out of the 439 actual dollars it cost to build this deck 
This deck is very dope, very swag. I would play this deck on a stream any day. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Well, thank you all for joining me once again this week. Thank you all for listening. If you, again, want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash crew3mtg. We got three tiers or just a single dollar to help us out. We got $5 for a piece of exclusive content as well as a back catalog of content. I think I'll give you guys a hint. This month's content is going to be about some ooky, spooky horror movies that we enjoy. Uh, and then, of course, we got the swag bags going out with some spooky cards that I'll be preparing to send out this weekend, actually. Um, and, of course, you know, the yeah, it's a lot of fun. And it helps us out. And we appreciate it. Even And if you don't want – if you can't support us like that, uh, just telling your friends to check out the show, sharing us around, liking the, the Facebook, checking out the YouTube videos, liking, commenting on that kind of stuff. Just getting involved in any way that doesn't directly monetarily support us also helps us in a really big way. We appreciate it. Definitely. And we, of course, appreciate everyone for tuning in. As always, this has been Ruckman. With me, of course, are Chris and Ricky. You can go ahead and find me at Crew3Podcast on Twitter at the main channel account. And, of course, Crew3MTG on Twitch and YouTube. You can find Chris on Twitter at... It's underscore Christmas without the T. You can find Ricky at... Uh, at also Steve. Perfect. Thank you guys for joining us and thank everyone for listening to the podcast. Next week will be the big pioneer one-year retrospective on the format. And then start to think of some Q&A questions because we're going to send out a call here for a little bit because just a month away on episode 50 will be what is our actual one-year anniversary of the podcast. So we're definitely excited for that. Talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.